Hello and welcome back to the Redundant Rufus Podcast. I'm excited to do our part two of Hearts of Middle-Earth, going over Faramir and Eowyn, talking about their relationship, events that led to their meeting and eventual marriage. So thank you again for joining me. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go ahead and do so. And I have to also give a shout out to Coag Music. Please check out their awesome music channel on YouTube. They provide the fantastic background music that you hear. So with that, let's get started. To revisit the many relationships within Tolkien's Middle-earth, and as I explained in my previous episode, not every relationship is extensively investigated. Typically, those which pertain to the stories and lasting legacies of the fate of the men and elves in Arda are extensively detailed. This time, I'm choosing, rather, a relationship which could be placed in the middle of being both important but brief in its relation. That is the relationship of Faramir, captain of Gondor, and Eowyn, shield maiden of Rohan. Both Faramir and Eowyn, as we know, undergo a significant amount of personal growth throughout the story as recorded in The Lord of the Rings, facing adversity, overcoming challenges, ultimately finding redemption, love, and fulfillment in their respective roles in The War of the Ring and its aftermath. We have moments between these two characters as well as extensive dialogues as can be found in The Lord of the Rings. But let's first give a quick backstory of each protagonist and the events that led them to each other. Faramir is first introduced within the Two Towers and plays an important role throughout the remainder of the story as the son of the ruling steward of Gondor, Denethor II, as well as being the younger brother of Boromir and leading the rangers of Athelion while defending Gondor's borders from Sauron's forces. Faramir is a noble and honorable character, often portrayed as wise, compassionate, and valiant. Unlike his brother Boromir, who initially sought the One Ring for the power it feigned to give, Faramir is more attuned to its corruptive nature and chooses not to pursue it. Faramir's character embodies the themes of duty, sacrifice, and integrity. Faramir was not the favorite son of his father. He was unjustly and constantly compared to his brother and looked down upon by his father in all things, especially disliking Faramir's friendship with Gandalf, of whom Denethor did not trust. But despite this unfavorable treatment and the high praise his brother received from their father, there was no enmity between the brothers. Now, Eowyn was the daughter of Eomund and Theodwin, the latter being the king's sister. Upon her father being killed in battle and her mother dying not long after from disease, she and her brother Eomer lived with their uncle, King Theoden. They were thus raised in Edoras, the capital of Rohan, where she would have been trained in horsemanship, swordsmanship, and other skills befitting a noble woman of her station. Eowyn was most notably a shield maiden of her country. She's introduced in the Two Towers and plays a significant role in the third book, The Return of the King, and is initially depicted as a woman confined by societal expectations, yearning for a chance to prove her worth in battle. Eowyn's character arc explores themes of identity, courage, and purpose. Now, since both characters are introduced within the Two Towers, we can begin their story there. After the breaking of the Fellowship at Parth Galen, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli begin the great pursuit over the wide grasslands of Rohan to obtain their companions Merry and Pippin from a company of Urukai. When the hobbits escape from their captors and head into Fanghorn Forest, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli come across a now-resurrected Gandalf, 
who tells them of the hobbit's safety with Treebeard, and then rides with the trio to Edoras to consult with King Theoden. As much transpires of which I will not detail in this episode, this meeting introduces Eowyn, niece of the king. As the old king sits upon his throne, we can read that, quote, Behind his chair stood a woman clad in white. We can further read the following description, quote, The woman turned and went slowly into the house. As she passed the doors, she turned and looked back. Grave and thoughtful was her glance. As she looked on the king with cool pity in her eyes, very fair was her face, and her long hair was like a river of gold. Slender and tall she was, and her white robe girt with silver. But strong she seemed, and stern as steel, a daughter of kings. Thus Aragorn, for the first time in the full light of day, beheld Eowyn, Lady of Rohan, and thought her fair, fair and cold, like a morning of pale spring that is not yet come to womanhood. And she now was suddenly aware of him, tall heir of kings, wise with many years, gray-cloaked, hiding a power that yet she felt. For a moment still, as stone she stood, then turning swiftly, she was gone. Eowyn recognized the majesty and nobleness of Aragorn, and seeing someone who could potentially bring her to a place of prominence, recognition, and valor, she began to fall in love, however one-sided and hopeless, as Aragorn's heart was firmly with Arwen Undomiel, and could thus not reciprocate Eowyn's affections. Eowyn's unrequited love for Aragorn became a significant element of her character arc, reflecting her longing for a sense of purpose. Eowyn had spent much of her time caring for her uncle, the king, and following the commands of those higher in authority, of which she held special resentment and an unbridled desire to break free from her station. When the threat of Saruman's forces would attack Edoras, the people of that region, including the king, found refuge in the old fortress of Helm's Deep. Eowyn, however, was selected to stay in Edoras and protect it should Helm's Deep fall, stating that, quote, She is fearless and high-hearted. All love her. There, as the host passed on westward to Helm's Deep, we can read, quote, Eowyn stood before the doors of the house at the stair's head. The sword was set upright before her, and her hands were laid upon the hilt. She was clad in mail and shone like silver in the sun. Now let's pause there and jump a bit eastward to the land of Athelion, where Faramir and his company of rangers had been heavily occupied with protecting the land of Athelion from Sauron's forces, specifically those passing regiments of evil men from the south. Upon seeing the smoke from the hobbit's fire, Faramir and his companions come across Frodo and Sam and inquire of their purpose in that land. After a brief time and a fight with some passing Southrons, the hobbits were brought to Heneth Anun, or the Window on the West, a refuge for the rangers of Athelion. There he learned of the hobbit's possession of the One Ring. However, he exclaimed to Frodo, quote, I would not take this thing if it lay by the highway, not where Minas Tirith falling in ruin and I alone could save her. So, using the weapon of the Dark Lord for her good and my glory, no, I do not wish for such triumphs, Frodo, son of Drogo. So this is a clear uh, contrast, if you will, from Boromir's intent or uh, ideas of the One Ring and what it could mean for Gondor. 
But anyway, additionally, he tells the hobbits of the death of Boromir, his brother, and as Frodo had last seen him alive some days prior, and in more precarious circumstances, Faramir recounts his own mournful discovery of his brother's demise. Quote, I sat at night by the waters of Anduin, in the gray dark under the young pale moon, watching the ever-moving stream, and the sad reeds were rustling. But at night all the world slept at midnight hour. Then I saw, or it seemed that I saw, a boat floating on the water, glimmering gray, and there was none to row or to steer it. And awe fell on me, for a pale light was round it. But I rose and went to the bank and began to walk into the stream, for I was drawn towards it. Then the boat turned towards me, within my hand's reach, yet I durst not handle it. It was almost filled with clear water, from which came the light, and lapped in the water a warrior lay asleep. A broken sword was on his knee, and I saw many wounds. It was Boromir, my brother, dead. I knew his gear, his sword, his beloved face, Boromir, I cried, where is thy horn? Whither goest thou, O Boromir? But he was gone. The boat turned into the stream and passed, glimmering on into the night. Now I cited this moment to demonstrate how Faramir began to feel alone. His brother, biggest supporter and friend, was gone forever. And Faramir could find no consolation or tender feelings from his distraught and bitter father. Faramir's noble character was demonstrated when he recognized the evil of the ring and knew that no man could wield it, nor should. After releasing the hobbits, Faramir went with his company to Car Andros, where they began to see the dark clouds sent from Mordor. Faramir then rode swiftly to Minas Tirith to report all that had happened to his father, the steward. Upon hearing that Faramir could have obtained the one ring, but did not, was enraged and disappointed. Denethor revealed more coldly there of his desire that his son's places had been exchanged, that Boromir had lived and Faramir would have been dead. After a cold and bitter conversation with his son, Denethor sends him to defend the Ramas Echor, the outer wall which fenced the Pelennor fields before Minas Tirith. The forces of the enemy would soon attack, and Faramir, amidst the great battle, would become grievously wounded with poisoned arrows and become unconscious. With the outer wall broken, the city of Minas Tirith was besieged. We can read the state of things from the following excerpt from The Lord of the Rings. Quote, During this black day, Faramir lay upon his bed in the chamber of the White Tower, wandering in a desperate fever, dying, someone said, and soon dying. All men were saying upon the walls and in the streets, and by him his father sat and said nothing, but watched and gave no longer any heed to the defense. To be very brief, but not to diminish this part of the story, Denethor would eventually turn quite mad and try to burn his son and himself out of grief and hopelessness, but instead died alone, for Pippin and Gandalf timely came to Faramir's aid. Now let's jump back to the aforementioned battle on the Pelennor Fields. The muster of Rohan had been ordered by King Theoden and involved all able-bodied men which could be spared. Theoden instructed Eowyn to remain in Edoras and rule in his stead and defend it if it came to it. But unbeknownst to her uncle and her brother and the rest of the Rohirrim, 
she disguised herself as one of the riders under the alias Dernhelm. During the Battle of the Pelennor Fields, where all armies met, the might of Rohan, who came at the last moment, was shown as they drove away many enemies who had besieged the city. However, King Theoden is mortally wounded by the evil witch king upon his fell beast. At that moment, as the king lay dying, Dernhelm, or Eowyn, stands firm between the fell beast and her uncle. We can read of this encounter from the return of the king, quote, Suddenly, the great beast beat its hideous wings, and the wind of them was foul. Again it leaped into the air, and then swiftly fell down upon Eowyn, shrieking, striking with beak and claw. Still, she did not blench. Maiden of the Rohirrim, child of kings, slender, but as a steel blade, fair, yet terrible. A swift stroke she dealt, skilled and deadly. The outstretched neck she clove asunder, and the hewn head fell like a stone. Backward she sprang. A light fell about her, and her hair shone in the sunrise. Out of the wreck rose the black rider, tall and threatening, towering above her. With a cry of hatred that stung the very ears like venom, he let fall his mace. Her shield was shivered in many pieces and her arm broken. She stumbled to her knees. He bent over her like a cloud, and his eyes glittered. He raised his mace to kill, but suddenly he too stumbled forward with a cry of bitter pain. We read that Mary came from behind and stabbed the witch king behind the knee, and then, quote, Eowyn tottering, struggling up with her last strength, she drove her sword between crown and mantle. The sword broke, sparkling into many shards. Eowyn fell forward upon her fallen foe, and there stood Mariadoc, and through a mist he looked at Eowyn's fair head as she lay and did not move. We can further read that Theoden, who lay dying and unaware that his niece lay nearby, speaks his last words to Mary regarding Eowyn that, quote, My eyes darken, and I would send word to Eowyn. She, she would not have me leave her, and now I shall not see her again, dearer than daughter. Now Eowyn, already stricken with grief after the loss of her uncle the king, despair after having Aragorn not to reciprocate her feelings, and now greatly injured by her foe, she began to succumb to her wounds. Now compounded by the black shadow or black breath, an overwhelming sickness which passes on to any who have direct contact with one of the Nazgûl, Eowyn lay there, seemingly dying. Now we can fast forward to the Houses of Healing, a special location within the city of Minas Tirith where those who are stricken with injury or disease go to be healed and where the dead may lay until burial. Here both Eowyn and Faramir were brought, and we can read the following, quote, So at last Faramir and Eowyn were laid in beds in the Houses of Healing, and they were tended well for the leechcraft of Gondor was still wise and skilled in the healing of wound and hurt. The black shadow which I mentioned earlier was heavily upon Eowyn who seemed to be in an ever-deepening dream, murmuring in these dreams, quote, But soon they began to fall down into darkness, and as the sun turned west, a gray shadow crept over their faces, but Faramir burned with a fever that would not abate. But here we will see the healing power of the kings of old through Aragorn Elisar as he tended to the wounded. Aragorn went first to Faramir and then to the lady Eowyn. Quote, 
When he had looked on the faces of the sick and seen their hurts, he sighed. Here I must put forth all such power and skill as is given to me, he said. But we can further read that Aragorn healed both Faramir and Eowyn, and some days later, as the army of the West, led by Aragorn, marched forward to war, these two stricken individuals remained behind. We can read what transpired between them in Return of the King. Quote, the Lady Eowyn bade the women who tended her to bring her raiment, and she would not be gainsaid, but rose, and clothed her and set her arm in a sling of linen. She seeks out the warden of the houses of healing and finds she is mandated to remain there until she has been healed. Quote, the warden looked at her. Tall she stood there, her eyes bright in her white face, and her right hand clenched as she turned and gazed out of his window that opened to the east. Is there no deed to do, she said? Who commands in this city? I do not rightly know, he answered. But the Lord Faramir is by right the steward of the city. Where can I find him? In this house, lady. He was sorely hurt, but is now set again on the way to health. Will you not bring me to him, she asks. Then you will know. Eowyn's dislike for remaining behind and not participating in great deeds filled her with great disquiet and she learned that only the steward could grant her leave from the house. We then read that, quote, Faramir was walking alone and the sunlight warmed him and he felt life new in his veins, but his heart was heavy. And coming, the warden spoke his name and he turned and saw the lady Eowyn of Rohan and he was moved with pity for he saw that she was hurt, and his clear sight perceived her sorrow and unrest. My lord, said the warden, here is the lady Eowyn of Rohan. She rode with the king and was sorely hurt, and dwells now in my keeping, but she is not content, and she wishes to speak to the steward of the city. Do not misunderstand him, lord, said Eowyn. It is not lack of care that grieves me. No houses could be fairer for those who desire to be healed, but I cannot lay in sloth, idle, caged. I looked for death in battle, but I have not died, and battle still goes on. At a sign from Faramir, the warden bowed and departed. What would you have me do, lady? said Faramir. I also am a prisoner of the healers. He looked at her, and being a man whom pity deeply stirred, it seemed to him that her loveliness amid her grief would pierce his heart. And she looked at him and saw the grave tenderness in his eyes, and yet knew, for she was bred among men of war, that here was one of whom no rider of the mark would outmatch in battle. What do you wish? he said again. If it lies in my power, I will do it. I would have you command this warden and bid him let me go, she said. But though her words were still proud, her heart faltered, and for the first time she doubted herself. She guessed that this tall man, both stern and gentle, might think her merely wayward, like a child that has not the firmness of mind to go on with a dull task to the end. I myself, in the warden's keeping, answered Faramir, not have I yet taken up my authority in the city, but had I done so, I should still listen to his counsel, and should not cross his will in matters of this craft unless in some great need. But I do not desire healing, she said. I wish to ride to war like my brother Aomer, or better like Theoden the king, for he died and has both honor and peace. It is too late, lady, to follow the captains, even if you had the strength, said Faramir. 
But death and battle may come to us all yet, willing or unwilling. You will be better prepared to face it in your own manner, if while there is still time, you do as the healer commanded. You and I, we must endure with patience the hours of waiting. She did not answer. But as he looked at her, it seemed to him that something in her softened, as though a bitter frost were yielding at the first faint presage of spring. A tear sprang in her eye and fell down her cheek like a glistening raindrop. Her proud head drooped a little. Then quietly, more as if speaking to herself than to him. But the healers would have me lie abed seven days yet, and my window does not look eastward. Her voice was now that of a maiden young and sad. Faramir smiled. Your window does not look eastward? Well, that can be amended. In this I will command the warden. If you will stay in this house in our care, lady, and take your rest, then you shall walk in this garden in the sun as you will, and you shall look east whither all our hopes have gone. And here you will find me, walking and waiting, and also looking east. It would ease my care if you would speak to me, or walk at whiles with me. Then she raised her head and looked him in the eyes again, and a color came in her pale face. How should I ease your care, my lord, she said, and I do not desire the speech of living men. Would you have my plain answer, he said? I would. Then, Eowyn of Rohan, I say to you that you are beautiful. In the valleys of our hills there are flowers fair and bright, and maidens fairer still. But neither flower nor lady have I seen till now in Gondor, so lovely and so sorrowful. It may be that only a few days are left ere darkness falls upon our world, and when it comes I hope to face it steadily, but it would ease my heart if while the sun yet shines I could see you still. For you and I have both passed under the wings of the shadow, and the same hand drew us back. She did him a courtesy and walked back to the house. When he returned to his chamber, he called for the warden and heard all that he could tell of the Lady of Rohan. But I doubt not, Lord, said the warden, that you would learn more from the halfling that is with us, for he was in the riding of the king and with the lady at the end, they say. But in the morning, as Faramir came from the houses, he saw her as she stood upon the walls, and she was clad all in white and gleamed in the sun. And he called to her, and she came down, and they walked on the grass, or sat under a green tree together, now in silence, now in speech. And each day after they did likewise. And the warden, looking from his window, was glad in heart, for he was a healer, and his care was lightened. And certain it was that, heavy as was the dread and foreboding of those days upon the hearts of men, still these two of his charges prospered and grew daily in strength. And so the fifth day came since the Lady Eowyn went first to Faramir. And they were clad in warm raiment and heavy cloaks, and over all the Lady Eowyn wore a great blue mantle of the color of deep summer night, and it was set with silver stars about hem and throat. Faramir had sent for this robe and had wrapped it about her, and he thought that she looked fair and queenly indeed as she stood there at his side. The mantle was wrought for his mother, Finduilas of Amroth, who died untimely, 
It was to him but a memory of loveliness in far days and of his first grief. And her robes seemed to him raiment fitting for the beauty and sadness of Eowyn. It seemed to them, as they stood upon the wall, that the wind died, and the light failed, and the sun was bleared, and all sounds in the city or in the lands about were hushed. Neither wind, nor voice, nor bird call, nor rustle of leaf, nor their own breath could be heard. The very beating of their hearts was stilled. Time halted. And as they stood so, their hands met and clasped, though they did not know it. And still they waited, for they knew not what. And presently it seemed to them that above the ridges of the distant mountains another vast mountain of darkness rose, towering up like a wave that should engulf the world. And about it lightnings flickered, and then a tremor ran through the earth, and they felt the walls of the city quiver. A sound like a sigh went up from all the lands about them, and their hearts beat suddenly again. You think that the darkness is coming? said Eowyn. Darkness unescapable? And suddenly she drew close to him. No, said Faramir, looking into her face. It was but a picture in the mind. I do not know what is happening. The reason of my waking mind tells me that great evil has befallen, and we stand at the end of days. But my heart says nay, and all my limbs are light, and a hope and joy are come to me that no reason can deny. Eowyn, Eowyn, white lady of Rohan, in this hour I do not believe that any darkness will endure. And he stooped and kissed her brow. And so they stood on the walls of the city of Gondor, and a great wind rose and blew, and their hair, raven and golden, streamed out mingling in the air. And the shadow departed, and the sun was unveiled, and light leaped forth. And the waters of Anduin shone like silver, and in all the houses of the city men sang for the joy that welled up in their hearts from what source they could not tell. We soon learn that Sauron is defeated, and the returning hosts of Gondor and Rohan are encamped about the field of Cormalan, north of the city. There the host of the west rejoices and celebrates the great victory. Moreover, they praise Frodo and Sam for the destruction of the One Ring and the downfall of Sauron. This great celebration would have included Faramir, however. Being the new steward, he remained in the city out of duty, awaiting the new king. But Eowyn refused to go. We can read the following in Return of the King. Quote, Faramir wondered at this, but he saw her seldom, being busy with many matters. And she dwelt still in the houses of healing, and walked alone in the garden. And her face grew pale again. And it seemed that in all the city she only was ailing and sorrowful. Then Faramir came and sought her, and once more they stood on the walls together, and he said to her, Eowyn, why do you tarry here? And she said, Do you not know? Faramir replies, You do not go, because only your brother called for you, and to look on the Lord Aragorn, Elendil's heir, and his triumph would now bring you no joy, or because I do not go, and you desire still to be near me. And maybe for both these reasons, and you cannot choose between them, Eowyn, do you not love me, or will you not? I wish to be loved by another, she answered, but I desire for no man's pity. That I know, he said. You desire to have the love of the Lord Aragorn. 
but when he gave you only understanding and pity, then you desire to have nothing, unless a brave death in battle. Look at me, Eowyn. And Eowyn looked at Faramir long and steadily, and Faramir said, Do not scorn pity. That is a gift of a gentle heart, Eowyn. But I do not offer you pity, for you are a lady high and valiant, and have yourself one renown that shall not be forgotten. And you are a lady, beautiful, I deem, beyond even the words of the elven tongue to tell. And I love you. Once I pitied your sorrow, but now were you sorrowless, without fear or any lack, were you the blissful queen of Gondor, still I would love you. Eowyn, do you not love me? Then the heat of Eowyn changed, and suddenly her winter passed, and the sun shone on her. I stand in Minas Anur, the Tower of the Sun, she said, and behold, the shadow has departed. I will be shield maiden no longer, nor vie with the great riders, nor take joy only in the songs of slaying. I will be a healer and love all things that grow and are not barren. And again she looked at Faramir. No longer do I desire to be a queen, she said. Then Faramir laughed merrily. Well, that is well, he said, for I'm not a king. Yet I will wed the white lady of Rohan, if it be her will. Then must I leave my own people, man of Gondor, she said. And would you have your proud folk say of you, There goes a lord who tamed a wild shield maiden of the north. Was there no women of the race of Numenor to choose? I would, said Faramir. And he took her in her arms and kissed her under the sunlit sky, and he cared not that they stood high upon the walls in the sight of many. And many indeed saw them, and the light that shone about them as they came down from the walls and went hand in hand. Faramir would become Prince of Athelion, and with Eowyn they had at least one son, Elberon. I guess you could say in this instance they lived happily ever after. But what we can gain from this story are the principles of both hope and healing. Faramir and Eowyn's relationship symbolizes hope and healing amidst the darkness of war and despair. Eowyn finds healing from her emotional wounds through her love for Faramir, and together they represent a vision of a brighter future beyond the devastation wrought by Sauron's forces. Overall, the story of Eowyn and Faramir adds depth and richness to the themes of love, redemption, and personal growth in The Lord of the Rings, making it a poignant and memorable aspect of the narrative. Thank you again for joining me in part two of Hearts of Middle-Earth, and I look forward to talking to you in the next episode. Take care.